Hello and welcome to the Honest Yukuma Show where we explore life success principles using the best selling personal development book of all time, the Bible. Today we are talking about bouncing back in finance, bouncing back in your finances. Last week we looked at bouncing back in faith. So today I asked the foundational question and we said, how is God in any way interested in your financial well-being? I also gave you what I would call a bonus question and I asked how many scriptures how many scriptures do you think are in the Bible that um, that talk about money how many biblical scriptures are there in the Bible that talk about money stay with me to the end and you will be amazed now so let's let's get into some definitions okay let's get into some definitions about finance and while we're going through these definitions um, uh, you know it will at least help you uh, to order your financial life well. So finance, what is finance? Now, generally, this represents money management, oversight, creation, study of money, banking, credit, investment, assets, and liabilities, and also the process of acquiring the necessary funds uh, to achieve whether it's a, it's a national goal or so on. All right? So let's, let's boil it down to, or rather, let's bring it down one notch lower into personal finance we've got to personalize this thing so it's personal finance is specific to every single individual okay and we need individualized personalized financial strategies which will largely depend on our living requirements our goals our desires and these are effectively influenced positively or negatively uh, by our earning potential okay that's why it's wise to have a personalized financial plan that and that would involve analyzing your current financial position to formulate strategies for current and future needs within your financial capacity now your financial capacity is plastic okay it's it can be changed you can reduce it you can increase it uh, but if you do not have an increased financial capacity you cannot handle uh, much more money all right so are you depending on someone else for your financial well-being? Are you depending on the government? Are you depending on the bank? Are you depending on your mom or your dad? Are you depending on your partner? Now, this is a controversial space, but this is the right moment to speak about it, right? We are all down. There's been a lockdown, okay? If it is not the right time, when will be the right time to ask these questions? Now, when I was searching this, when I was preparing for this program, I checked out some UK statistics. And um, let, me, let me just read for some for you, okay? One. One in 10 people in Britain have no savings at all. That's 9% of British people have no savings. These people over the age of 18, okay? A third of Brits have less than 600 pounds in savings. So 9% have no savings at all. A third, one in three, has only 600 pounds. The average Brit has 6,756 pounds put away for a rainy day. 6,000 pounds. Uh, put away for a rainy day. Uh, experts recommend uh, recommend that people have three months expenses saved up. Uh, statistics number five. 40.9% of Brits do not have enough saving to live for a month without income. That is 41% of people in Britain do not have enough money to live for one month. Now listen to this one. Number six. 22 to 29 year olds are less likely to save with only 53% of uh, with 53% of them having no savings at all 53% have no savings at all okay now two-thirds of Brits 
didn't have a financial plan in place as part 2018. Now, these are some sobering statistics, okay? But, and you can find them on the, uh, in, on, online. You can cross-check them, double-check them, but you have to ask yourself. Those are general statistics for those people who participated. What are your statistics, okay? Um, and there are clues. So, so let's, let's get back to the message today. Are there clues in the Bible that shows that God is interested in your financial well-being? Are there commandments, directives, ideas, principles, even promises that we can align ourselves positively, directly, to influence our financial well-being? Let's get into the actual scriptures today. Let's go to the book of Genesis. Let's start digging this up and see, is God interested in your financial well-being? Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28, and it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, Okay? And let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle of the entire earth, and over everything that creeps and crawls on the earth. 27. So God created man in his own image, and in his likeness, God created him. Male and female created he them. 28. And God blessed them, granting them certain authority, and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth and subjugate it, which means putting it under your power and rule over, dominate the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every living thing that moves upon the earth. So we can see there are very direct instructions from God to Adam, instructing him to go and succeed. Now, this is a spoken word. This is a, you could say this is a vibration released by the creator to align ourselves with in order for us to succeed. Now, let's jump on to Genesis chapter 9, verses 1, okay? And God blessed Noah, we see that word coming again, and God blessed Noah and said to his, and, and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. We see again, this is the second time God is commanding man to be blessed, to go ahead and succeed. Let's jump again a few generations now. Let's look at Abraham, the father of the Abrahamic faith, Islam, Christianity, and Judaism. Genesis chapter 13, verses 2. Now Abraham was exceedingly rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. What do you think? Do you think God is interested in your financial well-being? Now, what does the word blessed mean anyway? For sometimes you hear a chew when you sneeze and someone says, bless you. Now let's have a look at the definition of it. It means being empowered with, a, with divine favor and power to succeed empowered with divine favor and power to succeed. Now, if that is not a direct interest in God wanting to bless you, to, for you to become successful financially, I don't know what is. And I know you have a lot of questions, but trust me, if we sit down, we can go through the scriptures and by the end of it, you will see the chances for you to bounce back. You and I were made to succeed. You and I were made and were given a very good instruction to go and dominate the earth. Not dominate one another. Okay? We are not made to dominate one another. My, I am not made to, to dominate my wife or my children. However, if I have a dog in the house, I'm the boss of the dog. Alright? Uh, so, within you, within you and me, there is such a great power, such magnificent force, but it will require my involvement, my willing involvement, for it to work for me. So let's keep on going back. 
into the into the book of Genesis, um, we're gonna uh, we're gonna go to Abraham's grandson, who is called Jacob. Okay, we're gonna look at Jacob's life. Now, Jacob happened to be uh, a very crafty guy. Okay, if you read his story in the book of Genesis, you see he was a very crafty guy. However, whenever you are crafty, there's always someone who is going to outdo you. So let's have a look at what happened to Laban. So he was sent by his family, uh, by his mother and his father, to his mother's brother, which is his uncle, Laban. Now, Laban was much craftier than Jacob, kind of running the family kind of thing. Now, Laban used Jacob, manipulated him, cheated him out of his wages seven times. In fact, made him work twice as long as he should have for that which he wanted. He wanted to marry um, uh, Laban's daughter, Rachel, but Laban had a different plan. However, when you look through the, the story, you will see that Jacob did not change his attitude against God. He did not turn bitter against God because of what is happening uh, through his uncle. He did not change his love for his wife or his children. Um, neither did he change his attitude towards his work. He still worked very faithfully. In fact, he managed to negotiate his way out of a very awkward position. And towards the end, we see him becoming a very rich man. Genesis chapter 30, verses 43 says, So Jacob became exceedingly prosperous, and he, was, uh, he had large flock of sheep and goats, uh, female and male servants, camels, and donkeys and you can only imagine that is a measure of wealth in those days now let's keep again and go to joseph now joseph was uh jacob's son okay joseph was jacob's son and in, in genesis chapter 39 verses 1 and 3 says now jo uh, joseph had been taken down to egypt and potiphar the, uh, an egyptian officer of pharaoh the captain of the royal guard bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Now, keep in mind, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. So trust me, your brothers could do stuff to you. Your family members could do stuff to you. Verses number two. The Lord was with Joseph and he, even though a slave, became a successful and prosperous man and he was in the house of his master the Egyptian. How can a slave be prosperous? Listen to this, verses 3. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him, the Lord was with Joseph, and that he caused all that he did, all that Joseph did, to prosper and succeed in his hands. So Potiphar kind of realized this guy has a different attitude, this guy has a different spirit in him. It's he's, Whatever he does, even though he's a slave, he's succeeding. So guess what Potiphar does? Like any strategic thinker. Potiphar makes him head of his house, all right? And then if you keep reading the story, you see very, very sh uh, shady things happening there. Now, we can kind of glean in this and say, um, Jacob had a very, very unique attitude towards his God, towards himself, and towards the work that he was doing. Uh, Joseph most likely learned this kind of attitude from his father because Joseph was his father's favorite son, according to the scriptures. And we also see that Joseph had a very unique perception about God, about himself, and about his family, and even about his work. This guy served as a slave and succeeded. Let me ask you this. Um, wherever you are serving, are you serving half-heartedly? Are you serving, are you giving your all? What is your attitude towards your work? 
Okay. Are you determined to succeed regardless of your current circumstances? From the scriptures we looked at, we see that our attitude towards work, trustworthiness, being in uh, being innovative, working both hard and smart, willingness to negotiate, we eventually find favor with God and with men. Okay? Who or what is your helper? When things are going rough, how do you how do you turn that around? Do you turn it against yourself? Do you complain about you? Do you complain about God? Do you complain about your boss? Or do you kind of look deep within yourself and say, I am resolved, resolute enough and I'm going to bounce back? Now, for that case, in the sea of life, whenever you're swimming through all the seas of emotions, I think it would always be good to have a vision, to have a picture, to have a lighthouse, as it were, to know which direction you should go to. So let's pick up where we left off. Uh, we kind of looked at the life of Joseph, which is actually my favorite scripture when it comes especially about leadership, uh, financial strategy, and, uh, and team building. Joseph is the guy you want to listen to uh, among other key persons. So let's go to Genesis verses 41. Okay, Genesis verses 41. We are continuing with the story of Joseph. And just to give you a backdrop of this, this is um, Joseph, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, had a dream and he dreamt of seven fat cows and then in that dream uh, seven very frail looking cows come over and they eat the first seven which were fat now that was a dream how do you interpret so we can see that joseph was a very mystical guy he was a, he was a metaphysics kind of person okay that's the level he was, he was operating so let's go back to scriptures genesis chapter 41 verses 47 to 49 says in the seven abundant years of the uh, the earth produced a handful of every seed that was planted. So we see there this law of sowing and reaping. Number 48. And Joseph gathered, gathered all the surplus food for seven for the from the seven good years in the land of Egypt and stored enormous quantities of the food in cities. He stored away in every city. The food collected, uh, collected from its own surrounding fields. Now we see there the, the principle of saving or accumulation. 49. Thus, in doing so, Joseph gathered and, uh, and stored up grain great, uh, in great abundance like the, sea, uh, like the sand of the sea until he stopped counting it, for it could not be measured. Let me ask you this. When you picture back, if you throw your, life, uh, your, your eyes back into your history, do you have the habit... Do you have the habit of sowing? Do you have the habit of investing? Do you have the habit of, of analyzing investments, of identifying seasons? One, two, do you have a habit? Have you built a habit of saving? Joseph had, uh, had a proven track record of getting things right based on where he had come from. And Potiphar, which, we saw, which is the, the, the Egyptian soldier who bought him, or Egyptian uh, royal guard who bought him, had that to vouch for him. So we see that in that space, Joseph introduces us to the idea of investment. We see Joseph introducing us to the idea of banking. We see Joseph introducing us to the idea of actually saving. So these are things that you actually never thought that could have been found in the Bible. Let's jump to the book of Exodus, chapter 12. 
Exodus chapter 12. This is after 400 years, the children of Israel are getting ready to exit Egypt, being led by their leader Moses. It says, Exodus 12:35. Now the Israelites had created, uh, had acted in accordance with the words of Moses. I think that sounds like obedience. And they had asked the Egyptians of the articles of silver and gold and clothing. 36. The Lord gave the people favor. The Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they gave them what they asked for. Now, earlier we identified that uh, Joseph found favor. Now, when you align yourself with the laws of God, with the universal laws, you automatically start finding favor before God and before men. So, obedience is key in this space. So, what are your financial habits, as I asked you earlier? Okay. So, we see budgeting, accumulation of wealth or accumulation of money, or energy for that matter. Okay, we, we, we looked at preservation. We saw obedience. Okay, through all this, the scriptures that we, we've read, um, we saw courage. You've got to be courageous. Okay, you've got to have the courage of doing things that you, you are always afraid of, or things that people are telling you, oh, you can't do that, you can't do the other. Come on, get yourselves together. Find people who will champion your cause and align yourself with them. We see the principle of God's money being introduced here as well. Gold and silver is God's money. Gold and silver is God's money. Fiat currency uh, is man-made money. Now, we could talk about that for a long time, but we're going to leave that topic for another day. So, money makes an excellent servant, but a horrible master. Let me say that again. Money makes an excellent servant, but a horrible, horrible master. Who is your master? Who are you following after? Who do you bow to? Do you bow to money or do you bow to God? Uh, The way I see it, we ought to bow to God, we ought to serve and lead men, and we ought to use money. So, serve God, bow to God, honor God, love your brother and your sister, influence them in a positive way, and use money to actually achieve the second aspect of life. Now, the master, Jesus Christ himself, taught and said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. Righteousness, they're standing for the way things are done in the kingdom, and all the things you're looking for will be added to you. When I was preparing for this message, I decided I'm going to go into the statistics and actually find out um, how different or how difficult life becomes when it comes to financial matters. Now, in, uh, based in 2000, 2008, in thereabouts, uh, according to statistics, over 100,000 people in England, over 100,000 people in England, attempted suicide because of money worries. Do you think that's an important fact? Would you? could have been one of you it could have been your family member now that is a it's a sobering statistic okay now another statistic that is a that is pretty much very close to my heart money worries are the number one reason this is quite powerful not politics not health issues money worries are the number one reason families fall apart and i am a witness to this i am a witness that money worries are the number one reason that families fall apart. If your family is falling apart, could it be that you've probably neglected your financial space? If you're a man, for us men, we find it very difficult to deal with emotional things, emotional attachment and detachment. It's a shameful thing to be in debt. It's a shameful thing not to be able to have overcome finance. But you don't have to stay there. 
okay? Walk with me through the scriptures and actually let's find hope for that which is oppressing so many uh, so many people. What a better time to look for reasons and, 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 and strategies to bounce back than when we're just getting ready to come out of the lockdown. Let us go into the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verses 10. We cannot finish about talking about money unless we're going to talk about tithing. So let's go to Malachi chapter 3, verses 10 to 12. And it says, Bring all the tithes in the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. That's instruction number one. You bring the tithe, a portion, a tenth, okay, of your money into the storehouse, into the house of God, that there may be food. And then he says something quite powerful. Test me in this Test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out to you, for you, a blessing until there is no more room for you to receive it. That's an overflow. That's a promise. That's a commitment, actually, from God. Number 11. Verses 11, rather. Then I will rebuke the devourer, the plagues and insects, for your sake, and he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, the profits that you make. Uh, nor will your vine in the field drop its grapes before harvest, says the Lord of hosts. Verses 12. All nations shall call you happy and blessed, for you shall be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Now, the aspect of tithing is one of the most contented spaces in finance. Now, let me remind you something. In this time when this was written, Israel as a state had not separated church from state. For me, as a perspective, that is a grievous mistake. However, again, we're living in a democratic society, so let's boil it down to your family. The moment you start separating uh, finance from yourself or my wife, and you keep your money, I keep my money. Meanwhile, we have a family. There is already division right there. Now, that's again a topic we could discuss all day long. However, let's leave that for another time. For those who fight with the idea of tithing, listen and pay attention. Have you ever considered that this is the only space actually that God has called, has asked you to test him? In fact, in the Ten Commandments, he says, you shall not test the Lord your God. Why did he provoke man to test him in this? Why about money? Because finance is something so close to the heart of man and therefore it is equally so close to the heart of God. Now, we've looked at the Old Testament. Why don't we jump right into the New Testament and see whether the Master himself, Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, talked about money. My favorite scripture on this is Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25 from verse 14. This is the parable of the talent. And it says, For it, uh, it's just like a man who was about to take a journey and called his servants and together and uh, servants together and entrusted them with his possessions. Okay? 15. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one talent. Looks like this guy had only uh, five, two, seven, eight talents. Okay, that was his wealth right um, and he gave them according to their own ability each man according to his own ability verse 16 the one who had received five talents went uh, went out and traded with them and made a profit and gained five more looks like a risk there number 17 likewise another who had uh, two talents went out and traded and doubled them 
Again, this guy took risk according to his own measure. Number uh, Verses 18. But the one who had received one talent went and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, what is your talent? What gifts do you have? And you might think you don't have any gifts. Look closer. You're going to find them. Or do you despise them and, then, and henceforth buried them and not using them? Now, let's look at verses 29. This is very controversial, so please pay attention. For everyone who hears and values his blessing and gifts from God and uses them wisely, more will be given to him and he will have abundance. But the one who does not have because he has ignored or disregarded his blessing and his gifts from God, even what he does have will be taken away. Do you ever feel like you're just getting poorer and poorer and poorer? Well, maybe that's the place you need to go and check. How are you using your gift or are you burying it? Do you wonder why the rich keeps getting richer? It's because they have identified, they have identified the key to your financial bounce back. This could save your life. This could save your family. This could effectively save marriages and save hundreds of thousands of lives around the world from committing suicide. Why don't we turn around and start encouraging one another to, to use our gifts? Why don't we encourage one another and challenge one another to get better at what they do, at what they do naturally? They don't struggle with it. And then when we see them doing it well, why don't we uh, give them? Give them something. You know, pay someone for a service because they do something so well. Don't we spend a lot of money to watch footballers? Do we look at the one who doesn't play the best? No, we are always en- almost enchanted bewitched by excellent gifts so it's time for you and me to arise and starting using our gifts let me ask you a question before we listen to our next piece of music which servants are you which servant are you more likely to be like the one who went and took a risk and traded uh, the one who buried or the one who buried his gift in fact the lord rebuked the one who buried his gift so much he said couldn't you have taken the talent and give it to, to, to someone who knew what to do with it So if you don't think you have a gift, why don't you go and give it to someone else? And that's where employment comes. If you have a gift, go and get employed. Go get a job. Go volunteer. Yes, go volunteer. Give it to someone who knows what to do with your gift. And I can guarantee you it will make you feel better. In fact, when you give away your gift through service, you get rewarded in many, many different ways. You keep getting better. So now, I'm going to encourage you to keep fighting for your faith. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. Because within you, there is something that we need to unlock. Within you, we have to get you ready. We have to be prepared for a financial bounce back. Oh, yes, we do. Because I tell you what, if you start bouncing back financially, marriages will come back together. Families will be reunited. And lives will be saved. And I tell you what, there is hope for us. So keep fighting the good fight fight. So let me ask you this. Are you ready for the financial bounce back? So in summary, we've looked at uh, a, f- a few things and, and I could sort of summarize uh, this whole hour in this way. Number one, you've got to be willing to obey, to obey God's uh, instructions as far as your financial well-being is concerned. Number two, planning. You cannot go about life without planning. Find a good financial planner and they will help you put it together. In fact, just go on Google and find a, a, a finance calculator. 
okay and put together a plan for yourself a plan is better than no plan number three generosity be ready to give be ready to give and we looked at uh, the, the, this aspect of tithing now tithing is an acknowledgement that you have a provider who is God so if you do not tithe what you're saying is you are your own God and that's okay that's okay okay but be ready to take responsibility for what follows after that accumulation we saw Joseph building silos across the entire country of Egypt and consequently saving hundreds and hundreds of thousands of lives number seven trustworthiness are you can you be trusted with the little can you be trusted with the talents god gave to you and how are you going to employ them okay uh, employment is another thing that we can we, we gleaned out of that if you do not know what to do with your talent go find someone who needs your talent who needs your gift who needs your degree you may have gone to university and you don't know what to do with it find align yourself with the person who needs that kind of knowledge or experience that you have if you have to volunteer, heck, go do it, okay? At least give it out. Because if you bury it, well, guess what? You may be called a wicked servant. We, talked, we looked at time. Time is of the essence. Do you know your season? Do you know the season you're in? This is a lockdown season. Are you ready? Are you preparing yourself? And we also looked at investments. Who do you listen to when it comes to investing? Do you listen to your neighbors who, well, have been in one space for the past 20, 30, 40 years? Or are you going to be courageous enough to reach out to a rich or seemingly better doing person and ask them, can you teach me what to do? If you have a job, do you moan and, uh, and, and complain because someone else seems to be doing so well and yet you're stuck? Have you ever had the courage to reach out and whisper to the other person and ask them, listen, could you teach me what to do? So there's a lot of things that we can glean from it, and I believe this conversation will keep going. However, because of time, we have run out of time. Unfortunately, I really wanted to keep going, but I can't. I made you a promise from the at the beginning. How many verses in the Bible talk about money? Now, let me tell you this. Jesus's, from Jesus' parables, 40% of them talked about finances. Are you ready for your answer? How many scriptures are there that talk about money? There is 2,000 verses in the Bible that talk about money. 2,000 verses. Is that good or good? Uh, I'm going to have to love you and leave you. Keep this in mind. God has your back. It is not finished yet until he is finished with you. Thank you so much for joining me today.